Amen. Y'all can have a seat. I love that song. I perpetually uh, request that be sung uh, every Advent season here at Grace City, uh, especially for that fourth verse, um, that that be the prayer and cry of our hearts. Uh, and so if you're like, what was that we just sang? I would say, go download a couple of different versions of Come Now Long Expected Jesus. And maybe that can be on your repeat. Maybe that'll be on your Spotify wrapped next year. But um, to the Apple Music peeps, I'm sorry. Uh, but I'm glad y'all are here tonight. And in all sincerity, I do love that song for what it talks about, that the Lord Jesus came to make us new, to redeem us unto himself, to deal with our sins and the fracturing that that had caused. And so I love that because it talks about all those things. Same with Hark the Herald. I think sometimes when we're like, and I mean, I think it was literally when I was like maybe 25 years old that I was like, oh, Hark, like pay attention to the Herald, like this message they're saying. Oh, that's not just some weird phrase. Like, oh, that's, a, that's an instruction manual? Like, okay. Uh, and so I think sometimes we take Christmas music and it can be an awesome thing or it can be that thing that like, you know, Caroline said, we don't really listen to what the words are saying, but that's where I'm like, man, I'll get on to what we're to talk about tonight. But I would encourage you as you listen to your Christmas music, pay attention to what they're saying. But when we consider the season of Advent, this moment in time where we rightly celebrate the arrival of one who came to redeem and restore us, we do that well. Like that is something that is right to do, that we rightly celebrate the birth of Jesus because he was the one, as we've sung about, as we'll talk about, came roughly around 2,000 years ago to redeem us, his people. But I think often, we can get hype in the Advent mood and be like, you know, it's festive in here, it's aesthetically pleasing, it's nostalgic, and we can tend to miss and tend to neglect some of the different moments and movements and motifs of which this season is part of. And you may say, okay, weeks, what do you mean by that? And I'm like, we'll get there. But remember, Advent is this celebration of an arrival. That's what Advent means. It, it's not just Christmas time. It, Advent means that someone or something has landed. Someone has come to a particular place in a particular time. And so here at Advent, for us who believe in Christ, this isn't just a Advent or a celebration of Advent of a person. It is that. But it's also the celebration of the arrival of a promise. And so, if we think about all of the scriptures and the grand narrative that the scriptures are weaving and in, weaving in all of time, that we find this idea and this theme of beauty and wholesomeness and wholeness and joy, but then all of that beauty, wholesomeness, wholeness and joy disrupted, fractured, broken and marred, stained by sin, relational goodness left in shambles, but then also of a promise, a promise for means of restoration, a promise for means of healing, and then the arrival of the promise 
and subsequent rebirth and renewal. When we see the scriptures, you can find these themes woven all throughout, and then the whole scope of the scriptures, all of what the Lord is saying, are those things. And so at Advent, we celebrate the arrival of the promised one, the one who would bear our sins and mend our wounds and harms the one who would redeem and restore, the one who would be born that we may be born again. And as I said, it is a tremendous reason to celebrate. Like that is epic reason to celebrate. But like I've said, I think we can neglect some of the other themes that I listed off just a minute ago that we can miss out on moments and movements and motifs to which this season is part of. Because as I said, and we'll say one glaring element is that this arrival, this arrival of a promise, that promise is given in one of the greatest moments of harm and despair. Because it's the Lord being rich in mercy, abounding in his steadfast love that he had for us, that he chose to mitigate and to mend the rebellion that our first father and first mother had enacted between them and the Lord and subsequently us and the Lord. The beauty that was and the beauty that was to be was broken. And so in mercy though, this brokenness that the Lord did not leave us there in this place of harm, in despair, the Lord did not leave us there, but followed it up with a promise that this would not always be, that the brokenness, the hurt, the harm, the shame would not always be. And so, from the giving of the promise till its actual arrival, that was quite a long time. And so why do I wanna bring that up? Because I think we can often miss out that Advent also is preceded by a season of waiting, a season of longing, a season of hope. It was a season and can be a season where we express our eager desiring, our groaning, our yearning and looking forward to the promise issued. It was with those who were looking forward to the Christ and his first arrival, and so it still is with us, the Lord's people. As Kurt Thompson says in his book, The Soul of Desire, we are a longing people. That we are people who long, we are people who ache and desire. We are a people who yearn and who groan. We are a people who imagine with dreams of fulfillment. And what do we often long for? We long for beauty. We somehow intuitively know that there's some door that if which we could go through it would issue us into a land of beauty and joy and happiness. C.S. Lewis often talk about this, of echoes from a distant land of which we've never seen, but we've only heard report. Again, that we get it, that there is more. Just how do we get there? We long for beauty, and not just aesthetic 
perfectly pleasant things. That we do, but we long for that which is truly beautiful, truly fulfilling, truly transcendent, and honestly, that which is truly good. We long for joy, not mere happiness, but the heart swell and overflow of gladness of heart at the very core of who we are. That sort of pure substance that we really, if we could but grasp it, that would quench the ache of all of our longings. And so since Genesis 3, when the serpent showed up, tempted Adam and Eve, and they gave in, they rebelled against the goodness of God and his wisdom, and the evil of sin entered into the world and spread outward and shame and discord and sorrow and hurt along with it. Since the spread of the curse of the fall, so this ache, this longing, this yearning for restoration of all that is truly good and not least of which interior inside of ourselves has been present. And this is the story of all of the Lord's people. We are a people who, if we're willing to betray our innermost selves, are people who get that there's this complex reality of a world that is badly broken yet beautifully made. That we're a people who can speak of harms and aches, many that have been settled down upon us, but also of harms and aches that have arisen from within us. We are a people who feel the fracturing and futility around us and within us. And so we long. We yearn. As the scriptures would talk about, we groan inwardly with words inexpressible. But if you've embraced the truth of who Jesus is, if you've entrusted yourself to him, if you've come to rest in the reality of who he is, then even in our longing, we have reason for hope and for joy. Because in Advent, we celebrate not only a thing that did indeed happen, past tense, but a reality that that thing really did happen. It was real. It didn't just, it wasn't just some story. But it also, that it was not just an end to itself, but it was a precursor. It was a prelude to a reality that is happening and that will happen in its fullness in time to come. The advent, the arrival of Christ was a fulfillment of the promise to send one who would restore us back to God. But also the advent, the arrival of Christ, God made man. The advent also certified and made down payment on the promise of the restoration and the renewal of all things. The Advent 2,000 years ago gives us tangible hope. Again, the scriptures talk about hope. 
that hope does not put us to shame. That we have a real reminder and a means for holding on to the realities that God is at work. That Christ came in human form, that the Lord himself dwelt within a body, walked among his people, himself was a man of sorrows that he knows. He knows you. He knows your story. He knows what it's like. But also that he came to give himself to make atonement for sin, to give life who all would call on him and to walk with them that he says, I will never leave nor forsake you. He said, all who come, I will never cast out. He's given us a real reminder and a means for holding on to the realities that God is at work, that he's good to his word. That God who never lies keeps his promises and that he's not forgotten us, his people. The advent, the arrival of Christ is the inaugurating prelude of the gospel, the good news that the herald the angels would hearken us to that Jesus, the Son of God, has come to make us right, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. But also, the advent wasn't just a thing that happened. It wasn't just a good old story that we think back on and be like, Remember the good old days. The advent, the arrival of Christ also comes with a promise, a promise that gives hope for all of our longings, that Jesus will come again. A second advent is on the horizon, not when he comes again as a babe, but when he comes again to call his people back to himself, when he comes to make all things new, to heal all harms, to dry all tears and mend all wounds. The second advent is on the horizon. And so as we celebrate the first advent, which we should, because there would be no second advent without the first. And the first was the fulfillment of a promise that the Lord would send a redeemer to redeem his people. But that first installment was the down payment on a greater promise. And so let us remember that we live in the already but not yet. That we are those who have received the down payment, those who have received the promise Christ. But here we live in these intervening years between his first arrival and his second coming. We live in a moment where we can feel that already the Lord has started working in our hearts, have shifting things, giving us eyes to see what is truly good and what is not, giving us hearts that are more shaped like his. We can see and feel that there is things the Lord, there are things the Lord is doing in us and around us to transform us from, as the scriptures say, one degree of glory to the next. But also if we're real, if we remember Advent rightly, we remember that 
There was a waiting. There was, an, there was a waiting for the arrival. And so yet we wait. And as we wait, we can remember in this Advent season when the earth and our souls groan and yearn, waiting on what the glory of the Lord's finally and fina- finally and fully restored people will be. Again, that the scriptures talk about no ear has heard, no eye has seen what the Lord has prepared for those who love him. And that doesn't just mean it's going to be super fancy. It means it is going to be so catastrophically other that we literally cannot comprehend the beauty and goodness and whole person holistic healing that he plans to enact upon his people. And so let us live in hope this Advent season. May this be a season where we can take all of who we are and all of what we've experienced and all of what we long for and lay it before him and say, Lord, we love you and we trust you and Lord Jesus, here is where it hurts. Can we do both? Can we remember that as we wait on him, that he's not slow to act, that he's not uncaring? But also, can we live in the hope, the hope of the second advent, when all that is hurt and harmed will be mended? As C.S. Lewis says, when all that is sad will be made untrue. When all of our journey and season of longing and hoping will be met with ache-quenching joy. And as we behold one day, and y'all, I want y'all there with me, as we behold, I look forward to that more than you know, but as we behold the fulfillment of the second advent promise, and can we keep in our mind's eye, in our heart's eyes, if you will, awaiting the day when we hear from the Lord as he comes to take us to be with him, him say, behold, I make all things new. This is the hope of the second advent. But y'all, here in the intervening time, May we celebrate Advent and celebrate it with gusto and joy, knowing that this is the means of our salvation, knowing that the way we can participate in the second Advent is to remember the first, that the Lord Jesus came to make us his own. And so with that being said, will you join me as I pray for us? Father, I pray, would you give us eyes to see, minds to think, ears to hear, the echoes and rumors and whispers from your coming kingdom, the far off distant land that is our real homeland. But in the meantime, Father, would you give us strength and power and your spirit to help us to remember that you have made good on your promise. You have made good on all of your promises and you will make good on your promises 
yet to be fulfilled. And so, Father, I pray would you enable us to live in light of your second coming, knowing that one day you will mend all wounds, heal all harms, make all sad things untrue. But Holy Spirit, also I pray would you make the Lord Jesus dear to us. And Father, I pray would you give us more of you this Advent season. And Father, I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.